We're turning tonight in our Bible to Daniel chapter 4. And if you have your Bible at home, sitting in the table or beside you in the lounge, then I would encourage you to pick it up and follow the reading of the Word of God. Let's remember, of course, that what we're reading is a God-breathed book. These words are inspired by the Holy Spirit, and we believe they're not only inspired, but they're inerrant. And glory to God, they're sufficient for us to bring clarity into who God is and our need of Him. Daniel chapter 4, I'm not going to read all of the chapter, but I'm going to read it in two parts. The opening part, verses 1 to 18, and then we're going to read from um, verse 34 to verse 37. Let's hear the word of the Lord, reading, of course, from the authorized version. Nebuchadnezzar the king, unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs, and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in mine house, and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore made I a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. Then came in the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers, and I told the dream before them, but they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. But at the last, Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And before him I told the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, master of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in thee, and no secret troubleth thee, tell me the visions of my dream that I have seen, and the interpretation thereof. Thus were the visions of mine head in my bed. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. The tree grew and was strong, and the height thereof reached unto heaven, and the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. The leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all. The beasts of the field had shadow under it, and the fowls of the heaven dwelt in the boughs thereof, and all flesh was fed of it. I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed, and behold a watcher, and an holy one came down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, Hew down the tree, and cut off his branches, shake off his leaves, and scatter his fruit. Let the beast get away from under it, and the fowls from his branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts 
in the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from man's, and let a beast's heart be given unto him, and let seven times pass over him. This matter is by the decree of the watchers, and the demand by the word of the holy ones, to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will, and setteth up over it the basis of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now thou, O Belteshazzar, declare the interpretation thereof. For as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation, but thou art able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. I'm moving forward in the reading to Daniel chapter 4, and we're going to read verse 34 to the end. Daniel 4, 34. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time my reason returned unto me, and for the glory of my kingdom mine honor and brightness returned unto me. And my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase." Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now tonight, as we continue our series of expository sermons in the book of Daniel, my text this evening is taken from Daniel chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. It reads as follows, Nebuchadnezzar the king unto all people, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied. Unto you, I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. And then as we come to the end of the book, I want you to think of the words in Daniel chapter 4, at verses 34 right through to verse 37. In particular, I emphasize verse 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth, and his ways judgment. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Now, my theme tonight is entitled, A True Record of Nebuchadnezzar's Conversion. You see, I believe that Daniel 4 contains a true record of how God dealt with Nebuchadnezzar, the great king of Babylon, in order to save his precious soul. Daniel 4 is Nebuchadnezzar's personal record of the God of heaven's intervention graciously in his life 
that brought about conviction and led to his conversion unto God himself. It's interesting, of course, that Nebuchadnezzar is a very prominent character in the Bible. Do you know that there are some 60 references in the whole of the scriptures to this man? Some of the times he has mentioned his name is spelt with an R. So it's um, Nebuchadnezzar. Um, you replace the N uh, for an R. But I have no doubt that it's one and the same man. It's equally interesting that 30 of these references to Nebuchadnezzar are found in the 12 chapters of the book of Daniel. No book of the Bible tells us more about Nebuchadnezzar than the book of Daniel. We have a record here of what he was like. We have a record here of what he did in the opening chapters of the book of Daniel. We have a record of how he was king over Babylon. Daniel 4 records events in the life of Nebuchadnezzar some 30 years after the setting up of the golden image in the plains of Jura and the incident with the burning fiery furnace. Daniel 4 covers a further eight years or more in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. And during this time, Nebuchadnezzar was warned by a dream that God hated the sin of pride. And if he didn't repent of his pride, then God himself would bring him down. And God would set him to the one side. And God would make him like a beast of the field. Now, sadly and regrettably, Nebuchadnezzar chose to ignore God's warning. So the Lord was as good as his word. And by his word, he caused him to become insane for seven whole years. So much so that Nebuchadnezzar lost control of his kingdom. His position and power, his palace and prestige were all taken from him. And he was forced to behave and live like a wild beast of the field. Following this period of divine judgment, Nebuchadnezzar repented. He got converted. And glory to God, his sanity was restored. Eventually, so was his kingdom and his power and authority. Yet, while this sinful, arrogant, wicked king had his majesty and splendor restored to him, Nebuchadnezzar was never the same again. Because Daniel 4 describes the way that God personally and powerfully and individually dealt with him. And Daniel 4 records his own personal testimony. Nebuchadnezzar, after this event, came to learn about the God of heaven. He came to regard and acknowledge the God of heaven as his God. In fact, as the living and the true God. A God who is superior to all the gods of Babylon. And a God who's sovereignly at work in the lives of all his creatures that he has made. For years, Nebuchadnezzar had heard about God. He had an intellectual knowledge of God. But now he learns in a real, true, powerful way that he is to trust that God. That he is to lean upon that God for the whole life of the journey. Listen again to these words in Daniel 4 and 37. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. 
I want you to think of a few things tonight about Nebuchadnezzar. I want you to think of the position of Nebuchadnezzar. Remember, according to Daniel 2 and Daniel 4, he's had two dreams. In the first dream, he dreamed of a great image. And Daniel gave him the interpretation. It says in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 37, Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. He went on to tell him there in the verse 38, And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beast of the field and the fowls of heaven hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. Remember Nebuchadnezzar is the first great Gentile ruler who is being gifted to lead a great world empire. God has given him this emperor. Nebuchadnezzar is an absolute monarch. He is one of the most mightiest and the most powerful and the most prosperous ruler in the whole of the Babylonian empire. He stands head and shoulders above every other monarch that was ever raised up by God. He is a ruler of 127 provinces. Do you know that Babylon was once one of the great cities of the world? It was known the world over for its great architectural buildings, its banking system, its beautiful hanging gardens. The beautiful hanging gardens are reported to be one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. It was a great city of industry and commerce. Many who are historians spoke and wrote about fabulous Babylon. Look with me at Daniel chapter 4 verse 29. It says at the end of 12 months he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, this is what Nebuchadnezzar said, is not this great Babylon? Can you picture him in the palace? And he's maybe standing in one of the verandas and he's surveying the city. Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Can you picture that? Great Nebuchadnezzar. He's a king of kings. And there he is. He's telling us that he has built Babylon by the might of his power and for the honor of his majesty. Babylon was a great city of industry and commerce, but do you know as well it's a great city of idolatry and crime? Historians tell us that there was a thousand temples and 400 different shrines and altars to um, as many gods as you could count. Babylon was a deeply religious place, but sadly it was pagan religion. It was false religion. Wrong belief, remember, always leads to wrong behavior. And the streets of Babylon were full of sinful inequity, full of immorality, full of idolatry. It was a place of vice. And all the vices of the day were there. Great in its wealth, yes. But it was also great in wickedness. Great in its prosperity, but great in its paganism. The, the name Babylon is synonymous with sin and, and grave iniquity and idolatry. A place that you could say was godless. A place that was God forsaken. A place where God has forgotten to be gracious. And the answer is no. Do you know that God was at work even in ancient Babylon? In the life of its great king? The absolute monarch of the Babylonian empire? 
King Nebuchadnezzar was a, a sinful character, a godless man, a careless man who had no thought of God, he had no cognizance of sin, he, he, he had no thought about his soul salvation. This man, with all his great pride, and he was full of pride, and that was his chief sin, it was this man that God gloriously saved. Historians also report to us that the bricks that were used to build ancient Babylon had this man's name inscribed on them. So when the bricklayers were laying the bricks, they could see his name. They were thinking of Nebuchadnezzar as a king of kings. In Daniel 4, he dreamed that he was a tree that had provided provision and abundance for the whole known world at that time. Even the animal kingdom, the beasts of the field and the birds of the air were dependent on him. It's as if all life depended as it were in him. We could really say of Nebuchadnezzar, he was the most powerful man who ever lived. A man with absolute authority, a man whose power knew no bounds. Remember when Daniel speaks to Belshazzar, the grandson of um, Nebuchadnezzar, <coughs> he said this in Daniel 5 and 18, O thou king, the most high God, give Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. And for the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him, whom he would he slew, and whom he would he kept alive, and whom he would he set up, and whom he would he would put down. But when his heart was lifted up, and his mind hardened in pride, he was disposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. All men trembled and feared before Nebuchadnezzar. Nobody questioned his authority. This was the most powerful ruler that the world had ever seen. Yet despite this, and here's the point, he did not know God. He did not give the glory to God. He did not ascribe his greatness to God. He did not know the Lord at all. He had heard about him, but he had never heeded that message. He hadn't discovered his sinfulness. He hadn't discovered his sin of pride. He, he hadn't bowed the knee to the king of heaven. Daniel 4, 17 tells us these words. This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may now know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will, and setteth up over it the basis of men. I'm tempted to ask tonight who rules in the United States of America, and I know that some would say, well, it's the most powerful man on all the earth. His name was Donald Trump. But do you know that the Most High is the one who actually rules in the kingdom of men? It's not our Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, or even our Queen Elizabeth II. I ask tonight who rules in Russia? Who rules in Europe? Who influences and works behind the scene to set up even the most basis of men? It's the Most High God. The Most High God does all according to his will. Listen to this in Daniel 4 and 35. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? 
You see, even above the greatest monarch in the earth, a monarch as great as Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, the God of heaven is at work. The God of heaven is controlling, guiding, overruling in the affairs of man. King Nebuchadnezzar boasted of who he was, boasted of what he had, boasted of what he had done, and he left the Lord out. And yet he was to discover there was one higher than him, one who works all things after the counsel of his own will, a more powerful monarch, a greater king, the king of heaven, who had absolute sovereignty over him as a creature, and over him as a king. That's the position of Nebuchadnezzar. Think secondly of the pride of Nebuchadnezzar. If you look with me at Daniel chapter 4 verse 27. It says, wherefore O king. These were Daniel's words to him. Let my counsel be acceptable unto thee. And break off thy sins by righteousness. And thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. And then over in Daniel chapter 5 and verse 20, Daniel said to his grandson, but when his heart was hardened, but when his heart was lifted up and his mind hardened in pride, he was disposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. At the very end of his testimony, it was Nebuchadnezzar that said, those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. And that was the chief sin of Nebuchadnezzar. The Bible says pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And God hates a proud look. That's one of the things that God hates. And here's this greatest ruler in the whole world. And yet this man is full of self-importance. He's full of this wicked sin called pride. And for all his fame and all his fortune, he failed to see the hatefulness of this particular sin of pride. God hates a proud look. God hates the sin of pride. This man took stock of his achievements. He talked about my power building the great city of Babylon. He talked about um, my majesty and my uh, authority. Um, you take him surveying is not this great Babylon that I have built. He ascribed none of it to the Lord. He refused to acknowledge the God of heaven. He's living and boasting of all that he has done, as if he's done it by his own power, done it by his own strength, done it by his own wisdom. He's really a man full of self-love. He's also a man full of self-living, a man full of self sinful pride. He sees himself as the king of his own life, and he refused to acknowledge what the Lord had given him. He refused to give the Lord the glory. He took all the credit as if he'd done it himself. He wasn't thankful. He wasn't humble. He was like, I don't need God in my life. It's as if the Lord counted for nothing. I remember years ago, while in outreach in Bangor, when I was in Donica D., giving out some gospel tracts, and I can remember in one particular road that I not name, I called at this man's door, and the man came out. And um, after I told him who I was, and I offered him a gospel tract, he brought me outside, and he said, look, this is my house. These are my 
cars and he had two or three nice cars in the driveway. He had a caravan. He said, look, that's my granny flat. I have a good job. I have money in the bank. You come to talk to me about God? I don't need God. These are all mine. I was thinking, you know, there's many today like that man. And the attitude is that all that they have worked for. And and they they ascribe that to luck, to to good fortune, to to chance, to, to karma. But they leave God out of the picture. It reminds me of the rich farmer. Remember, he pulled down his barns to build bigger. He had an abundant crop of grain. Sadly, the grain didn't remind him of God. Who caused the crops to grow? Who caused the rain to fall? Who caused the sun to shine? It it was the God of heaven, but he didn't acknowledge him. And he wanted to to talk about his barns, but but he forgot about his Bible. And he was busy counting his gold and his silver, but he he forgot about God the Saviour. And what did the Lord Jesus say to him? Thy fool, this night shall thy soul be required of thee. See, the man was rich in this world's goods, but not rich toward God. And I want to tell you tonight, listen to me carefully. This is a very, very common sin. Over in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 1, verse 19, we, we, we read these words. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was dark, and professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. God has blessed you tonight with health and strength. God has given you material provision. You've got food in your belly, clothes in your back, things that are essential for life. And yet you as a creature made in God's image, even though you know God's creator and maker, you're not thankful. You're not humbled. You're living without him. You haven't brought him as a a picture into the center of your life. How many tonight awake in the morning and go about their day's business and they go to bed and they sleep at night and they look at life through the lens of self. The attitude and mindset is, I don't need the Lord. See, see, that's pride. P-R-I-D in the middle letters I has to do with self. Self-love, self-living. I want you to think of the persistence of Nebuchadnezzar. You see, in the journey of life, we're being introduced to him now, and Daniel 4 is an older man. And, and yet God has dealt with him all his life. Just as God has dealt with you. And I want you to remember that God is jealous tonight for his own glory. Isaiah 42, verse 8. You remember the image, the dream, thou art this head of gold. Daniel told him, God has given you the kingdom. God gave it to you. This great Babylon, God has given it. These 127 promises, God has given it to you. Remember the burning fiery furnace last week? Who did he see? The fourth man, one like unto the Son of God. It was a Christophany. It was an Old Testament appearance of Jesus Christ in the flesh. He saw the Christ of God. That was another way that God was speaking to him. And 30 years later, he gets this second dream. A vast tree providing for all. 
And yet he is told that one of the holy ones ordered an axe to be taken to the tree. And the interpretation was given that God was speaking to him. And God was going to take the kingdom from him. And all would be left like a stump. And he would become a wild beast for seven years. And that was a gracious warning. Did he listen? Did he repent of his pride? Look with me at Daniel 4 verse 28. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 29, at the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. Do you see that? 12 months had passed, a whole year, and he hadn't yet turned to the Lord. Despite God giving him the kingdom, despite having a Christophany of Jesus Christ, despite this warning to, to repent of his sinner's pride, despite Daniel's advice, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee. Break off thy sins by righteousness and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. God had been good to Nebuchadnezzar. God had dealt in a very kind, providential way and given him much, given him a kingdom, warned him in a dream of judgment to come. We were told that he was troubled. God was speaking to him. God sent him a preacher and told him to repent. Isn't repentance a medicine component today in, in modern preaching? Remember the Lord Jesus said, except you repent, you shall not likewise perish. Repent or perish. It's as simple as that. You see, today, modern preaching tells the child of God to smile. Don't worry about your sin. Don't deal with your sin. Just carry on. But Jesus didn't die to save us in our sin. He died to save us from our sin. Twelve months had passed and there's still no change after the preacher had spoke to him. There's no humility. There's no acknowledging God. There's no repentance. God has spoken powerfully and particularly and yet he'd not repented. He'd not bowed the knee. And you know what? As you listen to me tonight, God has been good to you. God has blessed you above measure. That's true physically. That is true mentally. It is true spiritually. How many times has God spoken to you? You've been often reproved. The Bible says, He that been often reproved and hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. In your lifestyle, even though you've lived in wickedness and been reckless toward God, God has been long-suffering. God has been good. Many summers have passed it. Many harvests have come and gone. Many springs have come and gone. And yet you haven't yet turned from your sin to the Savior. You haven't turned to the Lord. You haven't repented of your godless lifestyle. You haven't yet trusted in Christ. You haven't yet brought forth fruits meet for repentance. That's the persistence of Nebuchadnezzar. Is that like you tonight? He was an older man now. You're maybe an older person. Listen to me and you're not yet saved. I want you to think of this, the punishment of Nebuchadnezzar. Do you know that God brought him down? Do you know that God left him with a temporal mental disorder? He lost all contact with reality. He lost his mind. He lost his reason. He lost all his senses. And there was a period in his life when he went insane. Do you know how long he was insane for? Almost seven years. He didn't know who he was. The problem was he, he became mad. Seven years, his mind was affected. You know what he thought he was? He thought he was a beast of the field. Can you imagine that? There's King Nebuchadnezzar, and he's now like an ox in the field. He's now like a cow in the field. He's on all fours. He's crawling about like an animal. He's eating grass. 
His hair has become like eagle's feathers. He has the appearance of a wild man. And what does he tell us? Those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Could I say tonight, you need to be careful how you treat the Lord. Because the Lord can bring you down. You see, you can't fight God and win. I remember a story of a young man in Monaghan who was invited to a gospel mission. The mission was in his um, one of the father's fields and he vowed to the father and mother he wouldn't be at the mission. Three weeks had passed. He had no intention of coming. He was invited many times, but he rebelled. And one evening, having rejected again, they offered to come to the mission. He ran out and he jumped in the tractor. It was a wee Fergie tractor. And as he threw his leg over the tractor, he gave a shout and Two discs smashed in his back. He ended up in hospital. The preacher come to visit him. You know what the preacher said to him? We'll call him John. John, you're a farmer. That's right. A pig farmer. That's right. Tell me this, John. When's the only time a pig looks up? John replied, when it's on his back. And the preacher said, John, God has put you in your back to bring me to speak to you to warn you about repentance of your sin and to tell you about soul salvation and your need of Christ. God can bring you very low. God can touch your body. God can even touch your mind. You think of the madness of Henry III. Think of the madness of, of George VI, mad George, who, who lost America. Can I tell you tonight, your health and strength has come from the Lord. He has given you the gift of breath. He could take it away at any moment. Do you know tonight you can't get saved when you like because the Bible says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Do you know tonight, don't even think, I would like to get saved someday. But not today. You keep putting it off to tomorrow. Boast not thyself of tomorrow. No man knoweth what a day may bring forth. Here's Nebuchadnezzar. And he's a beast of the field for seven years because God brought him down. And you know, God can bring you down. The punishment of Nebuchadnezzar because he wouldn't acknowledge and repent of the sin of pride. Could I finish tonight of the penitence of Nebuchadnezzar? I believe he realized he, he needed to repent. Listen to these words. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. All whose works are truth and his ways judgment and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. I believe that Nebuchadnezzar discovered that he needed to repent and get right with God. And that's exactly what he did do. He did repent. I believe he got saved. I believe he turned to the Lord. And do you know what? We have a record of that in Daniel 4. Did you know that Daniel 4 was written by Nebuchadnezzar? And then, of course, it was picked up and used by Daniel, added into his book as a true record, as an inspired record. See, Nebuchadnezzar had published his testimony. He put it into print. He, 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 he sent it forth right throughout the 127 provinces for others to see and others to read. It was in all languages. Did we not read that? Nebuchadnezzar the king unto all people, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace 
be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar. Do you see that tonight? It was first written by Nebuchadnezzar. There was a day and a time when this proud king bowed the knee. He acknowledged that there was the king of heaven. He was a king, yes, a king of kings, but there was a greater king of kings. And he wanted to praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. And he did that by bowing the knee before him and confessing his sin and getting right with God. Let me ask you as we close, have you ever bowed the knee to the king of heaven? Have you ever repented before God? Remember the Lord Jesus said, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. There's faith toward God and repentance. And it's very important. Could I finish with this little story? I'm thinking of another king called Napoleon. He was the French emperor. He was planning the Russian campaign, as it's known. He was outlining his battle plans one day to a particular lady. And uh, he was doing so in an arrogant way. He too was full of pride. And this is what the ladies reported to have said to him. Man proposes, but God deposes. He argued, I propose, I dispose. Months later, he returned from the Russian campaign in defeat and humiliation. He lost his army. He lost his crown. And he lost his freedom. Could I tell you tonight that if you persist in your sin, the Lord Jesus said, if you die in your sins where I am, you cannot come. And you will lost more than, than Napoleon ever lost, for you will lose your precious soul. And the Bible tells us what shall a man give in exchange for a soul. If Jesus loved you and came into the world and lived a sinless life and died an atoning death, and, and, and rose again bodily from the dead for you, and now lives in the power of an endless life for you, and calls you to repent and believe the gospel, then I would urge you tonight, consider what Nebuchadnezzar did, and you bow the knee to the God of heaven, and trust him as the Lord your God, before you lose your soul in hell for all eternity. Thank you for listening tonight. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts.